0: Hello, Kyle Heath here. Welcome to episode two of No Techno Bubble. This week's episode is named, What Results Do You Want? Because what's the point in doing anything in life if you've no idea what you want to get out of it at the other end? This couldn't be more pertinent than our businesses. I mean, you can run your business as a social experiment if you want to, but pretty much that's not what most people do it for. Most people run a business because they want to reap the rewards financially. They want more time. They want to be the boss and not have a boss. They want to prove to others that they can do it. They've been a successful employee. Now they want to see the other side of it. There's many reasons and it's usually not a social experiment. There is a purpose to it. So you have to understand what that purpose is going to be. And there's no difference in what you do with your technology and your IT and your business. What results do you want to get out of it? What's the outcome that you want? And that's going to ascertain and work out what is is that you put in at the other end. So there's no point buying this bit of hardware, buying that bit of software, using this system because somebody told you it was cool or great or it's the latest fad or whatever. Because if you don't know what you want to get out of it at the other end, There's no point in doing it to get started. Look at some aspects of a business. Sales brings in revenue. Marketing brings in leads. Operations produces the product or the service. Accounts handles the finance and the money. So what does IT do? Well, that's got lost in a lot of businesses. IT isn't new anymore to start with, and that's a bit of a problem. It is now... We're in 2018. It's over 20 years old. Really, it's nearly approaching 30 years in business. It's somewhere like 25 to 30 years. So it's pretty old stuff. It's not brand new. It uh, it blends into the background. Seeing a computer or a laptop is no different than seeing a telephone. It's not something that you think of as anything particularly special. It's as utilitarian as the lights are in a room. And that's a problem because it leads to complacency and acceptance that of the status quo. Oh, it is what it is. Like I turn the light on, the light comes on in the room. I turn the computer on, the computer works. The computer does what the computer's always done. This is a particular problem if you own the business or you run the business and you're involved in making decisions about investments that you should make in technology. And when somebody may say to you, well, if you did this or you had that and it will cost you this much to do it, you're going to get this out the other end of it. And... Because IT is so ingrained into the background now, like a utility, it's almost a necessary kind of evil for many people, a cost. I mean, that's well known in the industry that I've worked in for years, that that prospects, customers, clients always would view IT as a cost. Something that they've got to buy, they have to have because if you haven't got it, you can't do X, Y, Z, but there's no real tangible benefit out the other side. It is simply a cost of business. It is a cost of transacting the business, a facility, a utility. And it's because it feels like that. But actually, that's really broken thinking. And that's, that's partly because you've let this happen to you. You've let this happen to you in the background without you noticing it. And it's caused business owners to have broken thinking. And actually, you're missing out on a trick. And that's what I want to talk about today in this podcast episode. Because all these other parts of the business that I listed out earlier, Sales, marketing, operations, accounts. They've all got purposes. It's quite easy to define those purposes. We listed those out earlier on. And they've all got objectives. They all have an objective to achieve. And as we've said, IT often doesn't. It's meandered. It doesn't know where it's going. It's directionless. Well, all of the tasks that we've described in the business sections before have aspects of them that are mundane and predictable. They're repetitive. They are where in the past we've leveraged machines. We would write 100 years ago with a pen. Then somebody created the typewriter and we sped that process up. Then the word processor, then the personal computer and so on and so forth. The fax machine moved paper around, then email came into play and now we have video calls from our phones. So as technology moves forward and as time progresses, each invention that comes forward is designed to save people time. Time that they could be better spent doing other things. So this is really the purpose of what IT is for if we're trying to find out what its purpose is in the business. Its purpose is to relieve people of mundane and predictable repetitive tasks in whichever section of the business, marketing, sales, operations, accounts they should work in. And when you do that, you're going to create time, time for your employees to do something different. What is it they're going to do with that time? Well, what is it that the business does best? What is it that humans do best? Well, that, at the moment, tends to be empathising with people, understanding problems, asking questions, reacting to situations that require change, being responsive. These are the things that cause customers to stay with you. These are the things that make your customers raging ambassadors of your brand. These are the things that make them come back again and again to you when your people and your employees look after them and uh, give them what they want in a prompt, tidy, clear, easy fashion. And you can do more of that when you've got technology that enables that and enables your people not to be doing the mundane and repetitive tasks. If you view technology, whether it be software or hardware, as simple machines that are there to do the work you don't want you to, your people to do or you to do yourself and spend time on, that's why you'll start to understand why the results matter. That's where you'll start to understand the value of technology, and you will actually able to invest money into it and get something out of the other end and see that you got a return on that money, that it was valuable to you, that you didn't waste that money. Because every task that you shorten and every process that you automate is another... Step to freeing up your people to do what they do best for your customers and to deliver on that. Everybody knows the way that we work has changed in the last 20 years since the PC was commonly found on the desk in the late 1990s in the office. We remember back in the late 1990s, nobody really had internet. There might have been one machine in the corner of the room that did. That's where you went to get your email and go on the internet in those days. And at that time, many people thought that no one would ever want the internet on every computer at every desk in their company. But of course, things move on, times change, and new applications come out that give things that you didn't think were thought possible. And so how we work now is massively, massively different to how we worked 20 years ago. But the way that we perceive technology and the way that we value it in businesses, particularly as MDs and CEOs and business owners, hasn't really changed that much in that 20 years. And certainly one of those things, and I spoke about this in the first episode, that was important to me in my life with my family is that we operate around the clock now as humans. We are constantly involved in information, listening, watching, communicating through social media from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed. There really is no downtime except for when we're asleep. And so people want to work around that clock as well. There are people who want to get up at 5 a.m. and do an hour and a half's work before they leave for an office because it's quiet in their house and their children are asleep and they can get the best out of it. There are people that get up at 5 a.m. and want to run and listen to a podcast first to start their day, then go to the office and work. There are people who work best from 8 p.m. until midnight after they have finished the day and they've had an evening meal and the children have gone to bed. This is the flexibility that technology brings. Everybody knows you can do it. And if you can't provide it, you're missing out on serving your employees to enable them to be the best that they can because not everybody suits nine to five and everybody knows they don't have to work that way either so when people say to me well how do i retain younger employees or i can't get these millennials to stay with me for any length of time they just come into the business and then they leave after a short period of time one of the reasons is these people have grown up on technology all their lives and to them it's that's how it is you can do things whenever you want to do things, and they all have grown up with this results outcome-based learning, where if they delivered the results that they were meant to give and get, then they were happy with whatever process it took to do it. And make that a little bit simpler. This is a generation of people who, when they're at school, were not focused solely on exams at the end. They were focused on coursework, and they could do that coursework in any which way that they wanted to and at any time that they wanted to. So they were understanding that it was the result at the end of things that mattered and the process they used to get it there, whether they wrote it in the library, whether they wrote it at midnight, whether they wrote it at 5 a.m., whether they wrote it on the bus. None of it mattered. It was what they produced at the end, the outcome that was important. So you've got a generation of people who are driven by outcomes and goals – and also who want the freedom to work at any time because technology has enabled them to do so. And you compare that to where most people who are owning businesses or are MDs or CEOs of organizations are now, and are of a similar age to me at 44, uh, and are what are called Generation X's. Uh, Generation X, for anybody that's not too aware, is usually thought to be people who were born between about 1966 and nineteen eighty. And millennials tend to be born from about 1980 to 1995. So those are generally the understanding, those are the year breakdowns for those. Gen Xers didn't have any of this technology when they were at school and growing up. And Gen Xers were often done by exams rather than coursework. So everything mattered on one small point in time right at the end didn't really have any relevance what you did building up to it. It was all about this point at the end. It was about the moment. It was about being present. And that led us to work in an environment that was about being present. It was about being in front of the desk at 9 o'clock and leaving at half past 5. These are the ways that Gen Xers grew up in their working career and, and didn't have technology and were driven by being in the present, in the moment, being seen by their boss to be there. And now suddenly they're running things and they can't understand why those people that follow them up don't get any of this. So what you have to do to get the best out of this as the owner of the business and the person who's leading these people is to understand that you need to give people this work-life integration and allow them to operate wherever they want to operate at whatever time they want to operate. So that becomes an objective of what you want the business to achieve. This becomes part of your vision and values. You're trying to work out what it is that you want to get out of it. And if one of the things you want to get out of it is that you want to encourage more young people to join your business, you want them to stay longer, and you want them to be more productive and effective employees in the business, then you have to recognise that they've got different agendas to what we've got, and you get this into your values and your vision. Now, Peter Drucker, who was a very, very famous management consultant, said that your vision should fit on a T-shirt. And I'm down with this, too, in terms of IT. Your IT strategy should fit on a T-shirt, too. And for example, now, this could be something like, and put the air quotes up, to innovate and constantly strive to improve the experience of our guests. Now, that would work quite well as an IT vision for a hotel or a care home, for example, There's innovation in there. So that means adoption of new technology, finding better ways to do things. Constantly strive. That means we're not going to be lazy. We're going to be always looking to make things better, working to make things better. Improve the experience of our guests. Deliver on what the customer wants. Give the customer the best experience, the best service, the best product that that they can possibly have. What do you notice about that statement? to innovate and constantly strive to improve the experience of our guests. It says exactly zero about the nuts and bolts of the technology that are involved and everything about the philosophy of the business, and that's the key. It's talking about innovation and constant effort. It is the vision statement of a business that is progressive and that recognizes that things change and that we have to change accordingly to meet them. Now, the thing with technology that makes this more difficult is technology changes on a faster and faster rate. There is a, a theorem that was called Moore's Law that was invented by Gordon Moore, who was worked for the Intel Corporation, and I think he founded the Intel Corporation, who said that the speed of semiconductors would double every 18 months. And that's been proven, proven to be true since the late 1940s through to the modern day. And what I mean by that is we're not looking at the semiconductor level here. I'm looking at the way in which technology can dramatically improve how your business can deliver on its vision and values over a period of time. And the mentality that many of us has when, we, when we're when we in business, and particularly those now in Gen X who are running these businesses, is Will you buy something and I want to own it for a period of time and get value for it over five or ten years. The mentality that we grew up with when our fathers bought cars and said, I'm going to own that car for 30 years, I'm going to buy this house, I'm going to own it for this long period of time. We've carried that over with us into business, but actually it's completely wrong approach. And the approach that we want to be taking is more the approach that the younger people have got, which is that they will buy things as they want to access them and use them for the period of time that they want them for then then choose to do something else. This is the pay-as-you-go model. This is the rental model. This is the pay-as-you-access-it model. This is not capital expenditure in a business. This is operational expenditure, and this is the difference. So you might be saying to yourself now, okay, well, this is all well and good car, but I don't have a vision and values particularly and if I do have a vision of values I don't have one related to IT or the strategy in my business I'm coming from where you've come from I don't understand computers I know that I should be doing something better with them but I don't really know what I'm supposed to do or how I'm supposed to do it what can I do about this okay well there is something you can do about it and we're going to go through that next the first thing that you want to do is who's the owner of the business who's running the business is it you singularly is it you and a fellow director or a partner is there a board of directors Get the people around a table who run things. If that's you on your own, that's fine. You can sit there by yourself. Get the people who run things around a table. Then you need to work out who's in the business, who's going to use these systems. So what do your employees need? So you're going to need to ask your employees. So there's two sets of people you're going to need to ask some questions to. You're going to need to ask the questions to the leaders of the business. That may be directors. It may be you on your own, you and your partner. It may be your senior management team and you're going to want to ask some questions of your employees and your team leaders and those groups of people too. So the leaders in the business, the managers in the business, and the employees in the business, these are the two sets of people you're going to want to ask, so that you can work out a strategy that's going to enable your business to achieve the goals that you want. Because remember, that's all this is about. It's achieving the goals, working towards the goals and the aspirations of the business. The technology will enable you to do that. It is tools that will enable you to do that i have four key questions that i always ask and i've found really successful in asking to help work out this it strategy so we'll go through those now question number one what is the most important thing about the it systems in the business that's the question first that you want to ask what is the most important thing about the it systems in the business now this is going to get people to tell you what matters to them personally They won't see it as a business perspective. They will see it individually. It's what is it that matters to them. And that's very important because collectively that's going to enable you to work out what's going to make you get a happier employee and a happier manager and a happier person in the business and happier people are more productive. So this is a really good question to ask people that what's important because then you can work out whether you're delivering. For example, somebody may say to you that what's important is that the system is stable and reliable. Another person may say that the system is simple and easy to use because I don't want something complicated. Somebody else may say that it's easily accessible and I can find what I want quickly because I waste time looking for things. These are the answers that you're looking to get that will enable you to understand a little bit better about what you need to be focusing on in your IT strategy and where you need to make your investment. Question number two. What's the most frustrating thing about the IT system in the business? This is another good question because it gives people the opportunity to vent a little bit. And you might get some rants on this one. Let people tell you what the thing is that frustrates them the most. So this is going to be what's going wrong. This is the thing that's broken, the things that aren't working for them. And I'd expect you to see slow systems, difficult to use, slow response from the people that are meant to help me. I don't understand what this is. This thing keeps breaking. It's not available. I can't work when it's here. I can't work at this time. This is a valuable question because the answers to these questions, if you solve the problems in the answers to these questions and couple them with the important things to people, you're going to find you have got some very, very happy employees and you're going to get more productivity out of happier people. Question three, if you were me, what would you do to make it better? Put the onus mirror. Put the onus back on the people. Because it's easy to criticise. It's very easy to come up with problems. Very, very easy to say, oh, this is wrong. That shouldn't be done this way. Very hard to come up with solutions yourself and offer answers. And actually solutions that will address the problem. So this is an opportunity to put them in your shoes and say, look, if you were me, what would you do to make it better? How could you make it better? Again. Gives people the chance not to singularly be criticising everything, but to think and think they've got to answer the question. And people come up with great ideas, things that you can't think of because you're not doing their job on a daily basis because you're the leader of the business. They will have things that they know about that you don't know about. And it's important that you get that feedback from people because they may be able to shave a system process down here. They may have a stunningly brilliant idea about something that you didn't think was important in the business and they'll help you solve a problem or avoid a big risk in the business. So it's a great question to put people in the shoes of the boss and ask them, if they were you, what would they do? Question four, what's the most important outcome of what you do in your job role? Again, now this isn't a technical-based question if you look at that. You've asked what the most important outcome is of what you do in your job role. Now, if you work down in the shipping department and you're packing up something to ship out and put a label on it to ship it as the product, you're probably going to say the most important thing is that you ship your you ship your orders out on time, first time. If you're in the manufacturing process and you're a production manager, you may well likely say that you meet the production schedule targets and that your quality is excellent and that you have the minimal amount of returns or quality conformance problems. If you're working in accounts and you do the payroll, you might well be said that you pay people on time, you pay them accurately and you get the tax correct. So it's about finding out what the most important outcomes are for people in their job roles. When you know what that is, then you can understand, do the systems and services that you've got technically in your business to the technology that you've got, the applications that you use, are they Working most favorably to deliver that outcome for that employee or for that set of employees. So those are the four questions and we'll run through them again for you. What is the most important thing about the IT system in your business? What is the most frustrating thing about the IT system in the business? If you were me, what would you do to make it better? What is the most important outcome of what you do in your job role? Get these answers from all of your employees and your management team answer them simply and honestly let people know in the business that you're happy for them to do that this is really important they can let rip and tell you what the honest truth is you may want to make this anonymous you may not it depends size of your organization and how people feel about this thing but you can make it anonymous if you want ask people to be objective honest and real not everybody's got millions of pound budget So they can't be coming up with things where we'd buy this and buy that. You're looking for people just to give their honest opinions about where you can improve because this is a starting process. You're not looking for solutions. You're looking for people to share what challenges they've got, what problems they've got, so that you can ask better questions and that will lead you down the path of what you need to do for your solutions. Something that may well come up when you start to go through this is you might have bought a system in the past. You may have bought something even recently. And you'll realize when you ask these questions that you bought the wrong system or that you've done something that's not worked. You've implemented it and it's rubbish. It's a lemon if it was a car. It hasn't worked. You've picked a wrong one. What you have to know at this point is something that's called opportunity cost. And opportunity cost is a term that's used for when the cost of not doing something outweighs the cost of doing something. So, for example, let's say you might have bought a server for your business and put it in the corner of the room you bought it six months ago and it cost you a lot of money and you've realized that since you've had that new server in your business really not much has improved you know you've paid for it and nothing's really different to what it was before and then you realize that if you did things slightly differently with your files you could get multiple other benefits from changing how you work but one of the things you've got to change is you have to get rid of your server And the opportunity cost is you decide, no, no, I'm not going to go and do the thing that's better because I've just spent a thousand pounds six months ago on this server and I want to get my money's worth. And this is where you then stop doing what's best for you because you've already invested some money, but it's it's a fallacy it's another term for it is a sunk cost you've already spent the money it's gone you spent the grand you can't get it back if you sit on this server and use it for another year you're not going to get your thousand pound back and all you're doing is punishing yourself sometimes we don't make the right decisions it happens you know that's how it goes i i've made some bad decisions in my life and they're for a different podcast but you know i'll share. i'm divorced and did I know when I stood at the altar that I probably shouldn't marry the woman that was next to me? Yeah, I did. But I thought it would be all right. That's for another story. But you know what? You have to accept sometimes you get it wrong. On the other side of that, for any of you if you're concerned about that side of things, I now have a great relationship with a partner and two children and my ex-wife has a partner and two children too and he's really happy. So you know what? It was right that we got divorced. It was the right thing to do. And this is the case here. You might have invested in some technology and you think, I've spent that money and I'm going to get my money's worth. If you know that it's wrong and there's something you can do that's better, then what you have to do is forget about what you did, accept that cost, sunk cost, and move on and do something new. And this is where you start to implement change because you're accepting that you are fallible and you can make mistakes and that you can move on and make change. Now, you might be thinking, well, it's all well and good doing these surveys, Carl, but what if nobody bothers to reply? Or more likely, what if I get a load of things like TripAdvisor when I go look for a holiday in Mallorca for the family and everything on TripAdvisor says that it's either the worst cockroach-ridden hotel in hell, followed by a review from somebody else who says, I went with my two kids last week and it was five-star and they had a fabulous time and they loved it. How do you know what the difference is? Are you just going to get both sides of, you know, are you going to get the extremes So, yeah, yeah, you've got to think about that. And here's what I think about how you will get this information back. If somebody comes back to you with very, very little, they've got nothing really to say at all, or they don't say anything at all, then you've got a good chance you know it's going to hold you back when you try and implement change. And change is the constant of life, as paradoxical as that seems. So when you've got people who are super negative and critical in a survey or don't say anything either, then the chances are those are going to be the people that are going to be most difficult when you try to do something different and new. So that leads you to know who those people are. What you'll also get is you may get some people who are given the opportunity when to fill a form in a survey or write this down who are introverted and will put loads and loads of great information down because they're not the kind of people that speak up in front of others. They're not extroverts. They're not going to put their neck on the line verbally in front of others for fear of looking silly. They're just shy. But they will put it down in a survey. or They will put it down in writing to you if it's private directly to you. Listen to these people because they can have hidden gems. They can be the hidden gems in your business. They will give you information that you didn't know about, and it's super, super valuable. So, this is why doing these things is so important. This is why getting all this, in- asking these questions of your people, getting the answers, looking who answers and who doesn't answer, and putting this information together is going to help you to build this IT strategy vision for the business of where you want to get, what the outcome is that you want to have remember when the new deal happened which was in the depression in in america fdr who was the president famously said we have nothing to fear but fear itself and it is fear that stops us from doing pretty much everything in life even though it's not rational fear is an emotional based thing it's not rational we fear of change we will go out of our way to maintain the status quo Than to change things, we will most definitely not do anything if we think we're going to lose something rather than what we might gain instead of it. That is our natural place to be, and it holds us back. And if you run a business or you operate a business where you want to lead people, then really you have to overcome the fear, you have to accept that you are going to have to implement change, and that some people won't like it. And you've got to lead these people and help these people through that because. The only way that you will move forward and progress is to overcome the fear and implement the change and lead people through it. And it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. Nothing ever is in life. It's never as bad as you think it will be when it actually happens or you do it. So when you go and do this, don't rush it. Don't jump off this podcast and go start implementing the survey straight away. Have a think about what you're going to do. Plan it out. Get those questions down. Maybe add another question or two yourself if you want to do so. I really wouldn't go above six questions because then there's too much for people to think about. Keep it simple. Use a tool like Google Forms or Survey Monkey where you can create the survey online and you can email people the link and they can fill it in online very quickly and they can do it at home and they can do it at work or they can do it wherever. Give them the freedom to fill it in at any time. Make it anonymous. Don't make it anonymous. But you can do both of those. Give people time to fill it in. And to make sure that they do, maybe you want to offer a free prize to one of the replies. Something like a meal voucher or something, because that has a lot of relevance to everybody. Everybody can take their spouse out, a friend out, their family out. Pretty much everybody, well, everybody has to eat. And so a meal voucher can be a nice way of doing that. Give them a little reward for doing it. it. gives them a bigger reason to get involved than simply the growth of the business because not everybody sees it that way. And do this in the next month. Start planning now. Start thinking about where you want your vision to be for your business plan out your questions on the survey, ask people about what's important to them with the technology in the business, ask them what enables them to achieve the goals that they want in the business, see if those match up to where you want the goals to be in the business, and then you're gonna be at a point where you can actually start to look at the nuts and bolts of what technology you're going to buy for the business, invest in for the business, what applications you're going to use, But you will have an idea of, I want to save time in customer services. I want to increase production by a quarter percent. I want to reduce the time that it takes the accounts to be produced by 50%. You've got yourself some objectives and goals that then you can address, and we will address in later podcasts, where we find solutions, services, and hardware that address those. That's it for the end of this podcast. That's the end of podcast two what results do you want? I hope you found this useful and enjoyable. You can leave comments on our SoundCloud page for this, and I welcome any of that kind of feedback. You can also get in touch with me on Instagram on at that technology guy. That tends to be my favourite place to talk to people because I like photographs and I like the fact you can do direct messages on there. So you can get me on Instagram on at that technology guy. And you can also have a look at what I do in the business on Kimberly.com. Look forward to speaking to you next week on the next episode of No Techno Bubble. Cheers.